G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Ads and Dunks podcast, exclusively brought to you by the American Aces. It's obviously Josh, one of your hosts here, and I'm joined by my co-host, Adzi. How you going, mate? Going good, mate. Uh, how are you going? How's your week been? It was a little bit different, obviously, in rehab at the moment, so churning out the Ks and doing plenty in the pool and on the bike, so it's been a little bit of a different build-up, but obviously uh, highlighted on the weekend with Tipper's win in Melbourne uh, for the Thunderbirds, so that was huge, and I'm sure we'll touch on it soon. Yeah, we definitely will, but um, let me just uh, ask you something. You just said bike. You hate doing bikes. I know you hate doing bikes. <laughs> I actually do, mate, but I've, I've had to do them because I can't run. Well, I couldn't run last week, so... I did a couple of bikes, 20, 25K bikes, and yeah, you know it kills me. So um, <laughs> not really enjoying that one too much. I'll tell you what you need to do. Maybe you, because the weather's always good all year round, maybe you just need to get one of those road bikes. Or maybe you can use the one that you let me borrow during, um, remember, remember that time <laughs> during COVID when for some reason I needed a bike? Oh, that's right. Jess lost her license. So you uh, yeah. lent her a road bike, and I reckon I rode the bike more than what she did. So maybe you need to get yourself a road bike and uh, get out on the streets of Brisbane. Nah, it's too hilly around where I live in Paddington, mate. It's bloody you, – you get 20 metres up the hill and you have to walk. Well, there you go, mate. You get bang for buck. You also get a uh, hill session in, plus you get a bike session in. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I'll pass on that one. I'll pass. Yeah. How's your week been, yeah. mate? Yeah, yeah. It was um, it was pretty good. We had a, um, a short turnaround, which is uh, – you know, it's always hard, especially when you get a little bit older. Um, you prioritize recovery a little bit more and these old legs, mate, they're not getting any uh, any better. So um, it was a pretty, pretty quick week. You don't really get much, um, I guess, downtime because most days are full of footy stuff and then, um, you know, then you're recovering away from that. So, um, you know, other than playing footy, didn't do too much. Been playing a bit of PlayStation lately, something that I know you don't play, but um, as, I'm, uh, as I'm getting into – um nfl season in you know it's only what oh two months it's about a month and 50 days or a month and 30 days away so um i've uh, i've downloaded madden and started playing madden and i've started a <laughs> career mode with uh the new york jets so when you're down in melbourne next make sure you um make sure you come around and we'll play a game of madden i can remember that uh that vlog that we did that time and you were playing nfl i think it was madden and you were just cracking the shits pre-game, so I'm sure you're doing plenty of that at the moment. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not because um, I took the uh, I took the difficulty down a little bit instead of it being on Hall of Fame. I've chucked it on Pro, and um, you know, Garrett oh, Wilson's going weak. for five touchdowns. And <laughs> no, nah, well, mate, I've got to build some confidence somewhere. We uh, we obviously didn't win on the weekend, so I need to win somewhere. And um, you know, winning on the on the uh, Madden field is is perfectly fine for me. We'll move on, mate, because uh, we've got a special guest and close to me, close to you. Um, it's a huge honor to have Tip up my partner, my girlfriend, obviously, join us after winning the flag on the weekend for the Thunderbirds. How are you, Tip? Hey, guys. Good. How are you? <laughs> Tips, why are, uh, you know, it's been three days, um, always oh, it three days? It was three days ago you won, I believe. I, uh, I'd imagine you would have just come from your... Yeah, or what day is it? Tuesday. You wouldn't call it a mad Monday. You call it what? I don't know. Drunk Tuesday or something. I imagine you would have just came here. Yeah, it'd be three days worth of celebrating because I believe it's the first. <laughs> also, it's the first premiership. You, um, the club's actually won as well. So it's a pretty big milestone for not only yourself but the uh, the netball club as well. Yeah, it's the first SSM premiership we've won, but it's actually ten years on from the last premiership in ANZ. So it's pretty cool to do it ten years later. The build up to the game. How did you? 
how was the feel for you? Was it well? What have you played in a grand final of? I guess that level or at a high level prior to the one on the weekend. No, like oh, I played in a state league grand final, so that's pretty high. But we lost that. So first massive grand final, and yeah, first premiership. How was the build up for you? Because obviously, I um, I was saying last week we we often talk about the netball, and I was saying how. You know, you're very quiet, mildly mannered. You're, you know, just a beautiful human being, and <laughs> don't really exert much much emotion. Um, you don't get to see it as much, and I could only imagine, um, you know, a week leading up to, you know, what probably was your biggest week in terms of um, yeah. of your netball career and your netball journey so far. What was the week like itself? Um, were you just trying to embrace it all, or you just wanted to get the game to get there and, and get the game started? We went there a day earlier, which is a bit different. So the week was pretty short, like it felt a lot shorter, but I think that was a good thing because it just felt like a normal week. It didn't really feel like we were going to play in a grand final, but I think that was good because we're also young. I think our oldest player is 28 and I don't know, we just all went through it together, so it was pretty cool. Oh, that's great. I'm, uh, As I said, I'm extremely proud of you. Now you can ask a question, Joshy, because I'm going to take them all. Ad sort of touched on tip after the game, like your celebrations and stuff, let everyone know what you've been up to over the last few days, what it's looked like. Yeah, so Saturday night was pretty big. We had a big function after the game. There was like, I don't know, 300 people there, do you reckon? Yeah, 300. And then we all went out, got home at 5 a.m., I think, and then <laughs> got, on, <laughs> got on a plane the next day. That was pretty rough. Um, and then we had our BNF on Sunday night. So it was another big night, and then we had – Mad Monday yesterday, and then we just went to Parliament House before, so had a few champers there. <laughs> have you, have so, you taken the Have you taken the medal off? <laughs> nah, not yet. Unbelievable! It's pretty cool. You had a fan day too on Monday, isn't that right? Oh yeah, we had big fan days. So there was, I think there was a couple of thousand people at Netball SA, and it was pretty crazy. They were just everywhere. It was that was probably the best bit because. We were obviously weren't in Adelaide, but all of them were like, oh, we drove to Adelaide, I mean, to Melbourne to watch the game, and then they drove back and they were there. So it was crazy. I feel like because you obviously played away from Adelaide, uh, a mutual um, territory for both you, you guys and, and obviously the Swifts, it must have been the most, you must have got the most thrill out of being able to get to that fan day and actually realize how big of an achievement this is because. You have so many fans, and uh, I know Josh. You've obviously been through that with winning with the Bulldogs. Um, and you know, I lost one at Collingwood eighteen, and we had our fan day, and it was unbelievable. I can only imagine for you, Tipsy, when you went there and um, all your fans were there embracing you. It must have been such a special moment for you. Yeah, it was, and because Adelaide's so small, it's like everyone's talking about it. Um, I don't think we really realised that because we weren't here. But even the week leading up to it, like. You could just tell that everyone was buzzing and the whole town was buzzing and everything was pink and it was just really cool. The end of the game, it was obviously played out the way that it did tip and you you went off in that last little bit and you weren't on for that extra time. I want to know what was going through your mind because obviously all of us were watching, kicking back and shitting ourselves really about what the result would be. Were you pretty comfortable there on the bench like thinking about <laughs> winning or losing? Because there was a stage definitely, me honestly as a fan and watching from the crowd, I was like, oh, I think they've uh, they've cooked it here. Yeah. Well, because we were up by eight, I think, at half time. So mm. we they came back and they're always going to come back, the Swifts. They're really good at that. And they're good at possession ball. So it was kind of 
we were lucky, I think, in that end that they didn't score that last goal in the last 20 seconds and then we went into extra time. But we did it two weeks before and I just knew we were going to win because we just have those clutch players like Eleanor and Georgie and Shamira who got the winning intercept. So mm. we've got the personnel to do it and, yeah, it was just unreal. <laughs> we get a lot of netball fans tipsy. Um, we always get messaged about um, just talking about netball but – you mentioned Eleanor and um, obviously Shamira as well. They're both international players. But do you want to just talk about, like, I guess the impact that they've had on the group, especially um, uh, Eleanor? Because this was her first year, I believe, here in Australia. It must be incredible yeah. to be able to play with um, quality players and well cast players like those two. And and that goes for everyone on the on your um, Nepal side, but those two in particular. Yeah, definitely Eleanor. I think. Um, for the past few years, the T-Birds have struggled in that attack end. So it was good to get her. And she has come off a premiership with her old club in Thunder. So she just knows how to win. And I think you have to learn to know how to win to win those big games as well. So just to have her in there, she's changed the whole team. It's pretty mm. like crazy when you look back at last year to this year. The two-pointer that she went for in extra time when I believe your coach or there was commentary about, <laughs> you know, just go for one, just go for one, just put pressure on the scoreboard. No, she just steps up, bang, just hits a two-pointer. I mean, it's just yeah. incredible. I think she plays better under pressure. Like mm. I remember, um, oh, I forgot what game it was during the season. We were down by like 10 and she was missing and I was missing as well and so was Lucy. And then in the last five minutes, she just turns it on and just goes for them. And I think that's when she plays the best netball. So, yeah, it was pretty good to have her on the side. And she's always going to take those twos. And she it, she did it last time, I think, against Perth when we won by one point. Everyone was like, go for the one, go for the one. But she just takes it in and goes for it. It's pretty unreal. She clutches up all yeah. the time. <laughs> um, no, so, Tip, obviously it's all done and dusted now. But what's next? What are you, what are you looking forward to? What's next on the agenda for you girls? Obviously partying and... And getting around each other. <laughs> yeah, we had to say goodbye to Eleanor tonight, actually. So she was bawling her eyes out saying goodbye to us because she's gone to World Cup. So we'll have to um, send the Jamaicans off next. Um, they'll be going to World Cup on Saturday. And then we've got an end-of-season trip, McLaren Bell. Get on the wines. Nice. That's good, as it, as it should be. <laughs> um, before, I know we're going to lead into letting you go. It's been great talking to you. But I wanted to touch on your game individually. I was just saying to Dunks, and I wholeheartedly mean this tipsy, I, in that first half, well and truly thought you were the most influential player on, on the court. And if there was a – I didn't realise there was an actual MVP of the granny, and if there was, I thought you were going to win it. But then you kept coming off. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a part of rotation or whatnot. Um, I presume it is. But yeah. How did you find your own game? Because I genuinely believe, you know, you, you spoke about how you guys got an eight-point lead and um, you were winning quite comfortably. You were well and truly the most influ influential player on the court. You weren't only just setting up goals, but you were hitting your shots and um, just moving really well. Um, how did you find your own game individually in one of the biggest games you've probably ever played in? Yeah, um, I actually didn't realise, like, how well I actually played until after the game when and beating one of the commentators was like, you just had the best game. And I was like, oh, mm. did I? Like, But I think um, in the semi, I was pretty disappointed because I wasn't getting those easy shots. So that's where I just wanted to step up in that regard and just um, take the ones because that's where my game has been really good this year. And I love setting up my goal shooter. So I'll just do all the work to make sure that she gets under the post as well. As you did. I've got one more question. 
one more question. Um, <laughs> Post game, you obviously got interviewed, and I think you were the only one that actually showed a bit of emotion, like proper with tears and whatnot. And it was great. You know, had me choking back some tears. It was <laughs> a um, it was a it was a uh, great little interview. But I guess do you all kind of just want to run us run the fans through and, and Joshy and I through you know, that moment and how much that actually meant to you because we could see it and winning a premiership, you know, it's the reason why I play, it's the reason why Josh plays and it's the reason why you play clearly. And you know, have you been able to soak it all in or soak it up three days post and, you know, how did you know how does it really feel to know that your name and you're always going to be regarded as a premiership player? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like I don't really, uh, I don't know, I'm just like speechless thinking about it because it's like the biggest thing and especially – in this league, like there's only 80 like Suncorps of Neville players and now we're a premiership team and premiership players and yeah, I'm getting a bit emotional now <laughs> talking about it. No, but yeah, pretty- it's pretty good. <laughs> no, I'm I'm extremely proud of you, Tipsy. I can only imagine how Joshy and your family's yeah. feeling. Could clearly see the emotion um, post game and as I said, I was holding back tears for you. You know, I obviously support the Firebirds with Kim and Lazy, but um, well and truly, you're my second team and um, supporting you all year. And you were both, you know, I can't imagine how proud Josh is, but I'm extremely proud of you. And um, no one deserves a premiership more than what you do in your in your netball club. So well done. Thanks, guys. Yeah, well done, Tip. Very proud of you, as Adzi said. So thanks for coming on. Uh, we look forward to getting you on again soon. But yeah, first half, it's actually our first guest. So well done and congratulations Ooh. again. Oh, yeah, before before you go, just hey. flash just flash the medal one more time to the camera so I can get a bit envious. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well done, Tiffa. Thanks for making me cry, <laughs> What a great chat that was. She's um you know, I can't imagine how proud you are, Joshy. I uh it's great to show it's great to see that Tipsy can still show emotion and um, be extremely proud. Um I can only imagine uh, how you'd be feeling and and how her family would be feeling. Unbelievable chat. And as you said, our first guest, which is uh, which is exciting. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It's nice to get her on here. And, mate, I can remember when that final siren went, I myself burst into tears, I reckon, just of how proud I was and her family. I was sitting with her family um, and then all the other partners and stuff were around too. So it was a pretty emotional moment and a whirlwind game because it was up and down and, you know, half time it was like up by eight or whatever it was, and it's like, geez, they're actually a legitimate chance. And then they came back, and it was mm. level, and then they could have nearly lost it. So, huge um, emotional kind of game. But to to see him get up and to see Tip, obviously, like you said, get what she deserves. She's moved away from home. Um, you know, we live apart. She lives away from pretty much all her family and friends, and she's just got her team really. So, pretty special that they've been able to do what they've. What they've got, what they've set out to do, I guess, in a way. So, I'm very proud of her, mate, and look look forward to um, seeing her in in Brizzy soon because she's coming back, I think, next week. So, look forward to that. Couldn't agree more. Absolute star. Um, footy time. Obviously, it was a unique week for you, or well, not unique, because you've been injured before. But um, I guess update us on uh, how you're going with your calf, and we'll get into uh, into your team's game. Yeah. So, as you said, unique week. I haven't really spent. A lot of time out with for zero time out with soft tissue, so it's obviously been a a different one. But um, I'm running now, which is good. So back on track and looking forward to hopefully playing not this week against the D's, next week against Geelong. Um, this week was a little bit tighter turnaround. It was going to be two weeks post uh, doing it because we played Thursday night a couple of weeks ago. So 
Um, it was a little bit tight and there was no point really trying to risk it because I feel like um, the boys are going really well and, you know, JL, Jared Lyons came in and, and played a really good role for us. So, um, yeah, sticking to it again this week with the with a similar sort of lineup and I'll um, I'll keep getting myself right and hopefully come back in, in really good form too. So, uh, yeah, it was a different one. Good to see the boys win. I watched from afar. I actually went down to Melbourne, as everyone knows, probably because I went to the netball and but before that, I helped out with the VFL and um, they, they had a massive win over the Northern Bull Ants. So I did some midfield line coaching, mate, which is a little bit different for me. And I was uh, helping out Hutto and the coaches and Moz and um, my younger brother, Kaiser, was playing. So that was pretty cool to be able to help him out throughout the game. I'm normally sitting on the sidelines watching and being like, come on, Kaiser, like wanting to tell him stuff. Whereas this week, I could actually get on there and get out there and mm-hmm. tell him. So that was pretty cool. And he had a, he had a massive game too for us, which was awesome. That's great. I feel like you. We've spoken about you being able to coach. I reckon if you've something you wanted to do later on down the track after you're done, it's definitely something you could um, well and truly do. So well done. I'm sure Kaiser and all the players down at the VFL level would have loved that. Um, you obviously, you know, watched your senior game. Um, yeah. You know, it was a it was quite a strong win in the end. Um, considering you know, obviously West Coast have been struggling quite a bit, but obviously we spoke about last week them coming out and you know playing a strong brand, and then I believe I. You know, genuinely believe they did and um, play, mm. played some good passage of footy and really challenged you guys. So it's it's um, pleasing for you guys to come away um, oh, with a win. Um, yeah, obviously wanted to touch on on Jack Gunston. Obviously has you know been out of the side. Um, there's been you know a, quite a bit of talk about him and fitting him back in and this and that. Um, must be extremely pumped that he was able to come out and I think he ended up with six goals, which is career high for him or equal career high. Um, and but not only that, he impacted this, um, his teammates and had score involvements and you know took a heap of marks. It must be very pleasing that you know you're, you're able to get Jack Gunston up and running and um, you know have a really have a really good win in the end as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talked about it with Gunners obviously when he came up to well, he went to Fags a few weeks ago and said that he wasn't feeling great and wanted to get his fitness right. And he came back, he went away and came back obviously in really good nick and um, got his opportunity this week and it's. Yeah, it's just another moment of I think everyone out there can now look back and be like, well, maybe it was the right decision for him. And um, in hindsight, things are a lot easier to, to say and do. And I feel like he, you know, would have thought at the time, you know, this is the best thing for him. And I think that's the the great thing about the footy club is they're they're very you know comforting and and supporting to be able to let their players do this these kinds of things. So um, yeah, proud of Gunners and what he was able to achieve on the weekend, but it's only the start for him. And now, you know, we want it to be this week and next week and the week after and for the rest of the year. So he definitely contributed to a to a massive win for the club. Um, it was a bit of a different game, like watching from afar. You could see how West Coast tried to slow the game down and really possess mm. the footy after that first quarter. So would have been tough playing out there as as players, but uh, the boys did a great job and. Yeah, very um, very happy with the win and move on pretty quickly to the D's this week. Yeah, I um, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. It's um, when you know, when you've got a player with the quality that obviously Jack Gunston brings, it's obviously you know ideal that he peaks at the right time and um, definitely feel like there's a great window for him now to continue that form and obviously play well into the finals for you. Um, what about the midfield without you? It would have been you would have looked closely because um, you know you obviously first game you're not there as a Brisbane Lion player. You know, I think Will Ashcroft, I believe, had his highest um, player AFL player ratings. I read this on socials the other day. Um, player ratings game. You spoke about Jared Lyons coming in, and um, you know he's probably a bit of a hard luck story 
you know, for the season because he's well and truly good enough to be playing at AFL level. And um, sometimes that's just the reality. It's hard to come in because of personnel and whatever it may be. And, and he's just, you know, from my point of view, a hard luck story for him. So, and then obviously Lockie Neal um, keeps playing at a, at a high quality. It must be pleasing to watch those guys without you, um, you know, play really good footy and, and ultimately um, win in that regard and then help win the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's always different when you watch uh, behind the screen or, you know, live at the game when you're not out there playing. You sort of feel like you're, you feel like you're so far off it, I reckon. Like when you're out there, oh, yeah. you're just playing footy. But then when you're watching, it's just like, wow, like these guys are good. Like our boys are good. <laughs> How am I meant to fit in here? So it's a bit of a weird one. But um, no, nah, I was very pumped for the boys. Ashy especially, you know, he's been working a lot on his uh, defensive elements to his game and he's really starting to show through now and the work that he's been putting in and the the education that he's learning over the over the course of the year um he's getting the reward so it was nice to see him you know step up again on the weekend and you touched on Locke and I think Huey McCluggage had one of his better games for the year um and the list goes on you know Zach Bailey Cam Rayner all the boys that go through there Dev Robinson um yeah, they're all they're all stood up and well, they all stood up and and played really good games. And I think it was a even kind of contribution which helped us, you know, in the end get that result. Yeah, you mentioned Zach Bailey. I wanted to see what you thought. Have you spoken to him about what he was thinking when he had that long shot from sixty? And I think Eric Hipwood <laughs> took a mark on the goal line to stop him from kicking the goal. Yeah, it was funny. We Fags brought it up in the team meeting, and he's like, are "You two boys okay?" And they sort of was like. Yeah, yeah, it's all good, and we all just had we all just pissed ourselves laughing. It was a classic, mate, because he showed the vision and everything, and it was like. So I just want to ask, are you two boys like? Are you talking? Like, are you all good? And they just looked at each other and just started laughing. So it was great, bit of banter, mate. It's always nice. No, it is nice. It is. Um, it was quite funny when I watched it. I was um, I was watching the game intently, and Zach Bailey always does incredible things where he, you know, will break a tackle and run to sixty and have a shot and. As he was doing it, I thought, oh, this is going to be a beauty. And then, yeah, Eric would take some mark. He'd be like, oh, I'd be a little bit flat if I was Zach <laughs> Bailey. But um, no, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, as you said, you guys are playing really good footy and um, looking forward to the contest against Melbourne. Yeah, it's going to be a huge game this week for us. But uh, before we talk about that, let's talk about your game. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, played against the Pies, one of the, the best teams in the comp at the moment. How'd you how'd you see it? How was uh, playing against our boy Nick Dacos? We talk about him every week. He he looked really good again. Yeah, how did I see it? It was uh, fast and quick and hard up close. It's you, you mentioned just before about uh, when you're watching from afar, thinking, "Geez, am I good enough?" I swear, there's sometimes in in a game when you're playing against high quality opposition, you can find yourself just watching the game unfold in front of you, and you're thinking, "Geez, these guys are good." Good players and it's a good team and um yeah that was definitely how it felt um you know definitely after quarter time and into the into the last quarter um yeah so from a from a performance point of view obviously pleased with some aspects of the game I believe we you know in terms of all the key indicators we were able to um, we could test the ball clearance um, I think we had even amount of inside fifties we won some areas where you know you'd win those and you you watch from um from a stats point of view and, and indicators that generally dictate who wins a game, you'd think that we would have won the game, but it just shows the quality of Collingwood and, um, you know, how good they are. And, and if you give them a chance, they, they will, you know, take a million miles with it. And that's exactly what they did. And, um, you know, that's probably been the, the most frustrating and disappointing thing about our season so far. Um, you know, 
I look I look back to games that we 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 should have won or, or could have won, been in positions to win, and and Colling was definitely a game where I genuinely believe that we were in a position to, you know, be in it for longer and and then ultimately win the game. Um, As I said, pleased with some aspects of the game. Um, I, I believe it was the best game our forwards played. I think. Naughty and Mara definitely played their best game as a combo and um, probably their best game individually together. Um, I think Cody Waitman contributed enormously. I think he kicked four goals. Guys, um, you know, the cohesion looked – what we've been putting into practice looked um, looked evident out there and that was probably the most pleasing thing. It's just we couldn't get it to our forwards enough and get it to him in good spots. That was probably the most frustrating thing. Um, you know, I think – you know, teams give you good chances in games if if you can turn the ball over in good spots and um, you know win the ball back in in your forward half. And I'm I'm really talking in depth about footy here for for the people out there that don't really understand the analytics of the game. But we weren't able to turn it enough, turn the ball over enough forward half of the ball. And when you don't do that against Collingwood, especially in between that, you know, start of the third to ten minutes into the fourth. Teams will pile on an enormous amount of goals, and that's exactly what they did. I think they got 35 points up maybe at one stage, and um, you know the scoreboard doesn't look like 35 points. We only lost by 12 points. But when you can't turn the ball over in good spots and you get a team like Collingwood who – one thing I've noticed with Collingwood is they do not surge the ball forward half. They literally will try and find a handball or – hit a target. That's just how skilled and how well-drilled they are. I'm not sure if you experienced that. I know you guys beat them up there and that was a long while ago, but I swear they just refuse to surge the ball forward half. And when they're not doing that, it gives their forwards better opportunity if they're chaining and you know hitting easy kicks. So we just weren't able to stop that. And ultimately, when we came back, it was just too late. I mean, if there was another five, 10 minutes, maybe it could have been a little bit different, but it was just too late for us and um, they really flexed their muscle in, in the middle part of the game and um, were way too strong for us. So, yeah, it was a another game that was a missed opportunity for us and a very disappointing one in the fact that we were in it, but we just couldn't win the game. Yeah, do you walk away from a game like that, like you said disappointed, but I feel like you should take a lot of positives out of it. Like they're, they're the mm. benchmark at the moment in the competition and, you know, at times, you look like you had them on the ropes, especially early and and even late in the game. Probably more early, I feel, in that first quarter where you had them chasing or their backs to their goals. They're, they'll run in your way pretty much all the time. So you must take a lot out of that. Yeah. I, yeah. As I said, you take the positives and, um, you know, our coaches and Bevo's pretty positive and optimistic about things and even when things aren't necessarily going well. So you would definitely watch some, you know, vision where, when we do do it well, this is how good we can be. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, you do take positives. But, mate, you know what I'm like. You know what you know. a lot of the individuals in our team are like and what we want to achieve and um, genuinely feel like we're capable to achieve big things uh, in this competition and we need to be able to beat the best teams to do that. And and that's pro- probably where we look at it, where – we had a missed opportunity there. You know, we've played yeah. Port Adelaide twice this year. Who is the other side that is on this incredible winning streak and playing as good footy as Collingwood? And we've been in those two games in winning positions, and then ultimately we haven't won the game. So that's where the frustration comes from. Um, and yeah, you take the positives from from the game, and and you, and you look at where you can implement it for longer. Um, 
which will probably be the key for us. But yeah, it's uh, it's sometimes hard to look at positives when you just want to win, and um, the fact that we weren't able to win was just frustrating. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching very closely. I actually I wrote a couple of things down because I was like, I really want to talk about this on the podcast and see if you noticed it out there. But um, mm. one of them was. Do you notice? Did you notice when when Nick Dacos stole that free kick? He got, I think, Tom Mitchell might have got someone holding the ball, and then he took the free kick. And then there was another opportunity where Jeremy Howe was going over yeah. a ground ball, and he literally stole it off him. I'm thinking, mate, you get enough of the footy, you don't need to get an extra two or three touches. Like, what? It's just funny as. Yeah, no, I did notice that, and my uh, my theory is, why wouldn't you want the hand? Why wouldn't you want the ball in the hands of the best? Kick and the best decision maker in the all in all of AFL. Um, yeah, it's I know. Quite funny I know, seeing I know that. What you're you know, just a little bit on on playing Nick Dacos now. I haven't, you know, played against him since last year, which was only his tenth or so game. Now I walk away from that game, genuinely thinking he is the best player in the competition. Easily this year, he's you know, with all due respect to Zach Butters, was, has been unbelievable playing against him up close. Um, He's probably the one that comes to mind, Jeremy Cameron, but him up close, how quick he is, how decisive he is, his skills sets him apart from, you know, all his peers in my opinion. Um, he makes the right decision almost every single time and when he sees something and needs to execute it, he executes it. And there was a couple of times when, you know, he's – say they're going that way, he's running that way and handball over his shoulder – knowing that someone's coming and just lace them out. And you don't see guys in their first, second year do this. And, you know, I think back to when I was a young kid playing and and, and you can as well. Mate, I'll, there's no way I've thought about, you know, doing the stuff that he does because I just, one, didn't think I was capable enough and two, obviously, you know, wasn't that talented. He's clearly that talented and he's more than capable to do that. And, you know, watching up close, you know, he kicked that unbelievable goal on the run, check side, but kind of drop punt at it, check side at it. It's just, yeah, he, you know, if uh, if he doesn't win the Brownlow, then I don't know, you know, who does because he's head and shoulders, in my opinion, right now the best player in the competition and every single individual award this year, I genuinely believe he's probably going to win. So um, watching up close, unfortunately, wasn't uh, ideal because we ended up helping him win, but he's going to be a superstar for a very, very, probably, yeah, right now, could be the greatest player that I've ever seen, ever. And that is with all due respect to Dusty and Juddy. Juddy's the best player I've seen. Dusty's the best player that I've come up against. He is on the pathway to getting there because, yeah, he's just unbelievable. Yeah, he's unbelievable to watch, uh, Nick Dacos. And the other one I was going to talk about, and we probably should congratulate him for breaking the all-time record uh, disposals, was Pendles. I want to know what you did, though, when, uh, when Pendles broke that record. I heard you may have done something. A small gesture that uh, you might want to let the fans know about. What did I do? Did you stand up? You're on the bench. Were you on the bench? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, yes, and I clapped. I uh, yeah. I clapped. Yep, I did. So I was sitting on the bench, and yeah, I, I'm funny. How'd you know that? <laughs> I know a lot of things, mate. I know I a lot of things. I didn't. I uh, yeah, I didn't think anyone knew, but no, I I uh, was sitting on the bench, and I thought it was only fitting because I was fortunate enough to play with Pendles and have been out played and have played against him obviously and um, I often talk about you know one of the most influential players in my career and the best player that I've seen up close with Dusty and um, 
and Bont and and Dakes. But yeah, it's for him, you know, to have the career that he's had and still having, and and to pass the all time disposal record, it's probably only fitting because, you know, one of the champions of the game, and um, you know, I was able to get out there and and walk to the center bounce after he had it and tap him on the bum and say congratulations. So. Yeah, he's an absolute superstar, and yeah, it's pretty cool that you uh, you notice that. I wonder if we can find the vision, maybe behind the goals vision or something, of you standing up, getting up off the bench, and and clapping him yeah. as he gets his as he gets his uh, record breaking disposal. Yeah, no, I I feel like it's only fair. One thing I did want to say is, um, you know, I mentioned Mara and and Naughty and two of their best games, but I, you know, I can feel and see and sense that Mara is really confident now and um you know he's very self-assured that he genuinely has what it take to be a powerhouse in this competition and you can see that he's improving in leaps and bounds and um his ability to jump at the footy and take the ball at its highest point is clearly evident in games and i feel like you know the last month of footy that he's played has definitely been the best footy that he's played and it's not only his forward craft and you know, taking marks and kicking goals and setting up goals. It's also his around-the-ground work, his ability to turn right, turn left, hit hit kicks that, you know, are quite challenging. So um, it's pleasing to see up close Mara performing the way that he's performing. Yeah, he's going very well, Mara, and you can just tell, like, he's got that look in his eye now every time he runs out that he's uh, he's ready to put the boys on his shoulders at, when the time – or when it, when it matters. And um, for him to stand up on the weekend or Friday night was, was massive at times. So, um, yeah. Very pumped for Mara going well. Darcy Moore's public speaking is uh, something that everyone's talking about and how good he is at it. And I think they asked him post-game whether he actually goes and practices because he's he just knows what he's saying and how it's like it's rehearsed. Like, you were there. What do you think? It was a, another ripping speech from him. Yeah, no, I'd be the first to say to you that it's definitely not rehearsed. It's just how um, aware he is of, you know, situations and aware of, um, importances of games and involvements that he's in. You know, you mentioned obviously the game on the weekend. He's he clearly knows a lot about um, you know Bob Rose and obviously Benny was the was the guy who presented the um, the medal for the best on ground and spoke about inclusion and um, just yeah just things that matter um, in that particular time. And yeah, he's someone that. Um, you know, from when the first time I met him, I could sense that he's going to be a leader in any capacity, whether it's footy or work or whatever it may be. Um, he was going to be someone who was very um, vocal and and yeah, publicly spoke well, and that's what he does. You know, the Anzac Day game as well, he's, his speech in that was incredible. And for someone to think about that and talk about what he spoke about, the meaning of Anzac spirit and, you know, all the people that have, um, you know, represented Australia and, and gone to war for Australia and New Zealand and, and all those important things in life. He articulated so well and, and you can feel the genuine empathy and care that he shows and um, that's just the type of person that he is. And um, again, on the weekend, he did that as well. Um, the, the inclusion that he has with everyone involved, yeah, it's a credit to him. Um, you know, No surprise that he's the you know Collingwood uh, captain, but I think he's one of the delegates as well or one of the, one of the AFLPA um you know, hierarchy. And then when Danger eventually steps down as president, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Darcy Moore puts his hand up and wants to represent the players because, yeah, he represents himself and represents the club um, incredibly well. Mm, absolutely. I second those words that you just, yeah, mentioned. It's, yeah, he's one of the best I've ever seen uh, that can get up and make those speeches. So 
Good on him. Um, big news today. Uh, Stewie Jew sacked. Mm. What are your thoughts on this one? The whole footy world was uh, a week ago, you know, supporting him. And after Caroline Wilson's words about, you know, the sun's going to sack him, it's, a, it's massive news today. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably where it's thrown a lot of people off is the fact that obviously last week he was, you know, backed. And then obviously um, a week later, you know, people say a week's a long time in football. It really is because now he's obviously not the coach of the Suns. It's, um, you know, it's it's obviously a disappointing time for the players. I can only imagine how the players are feeling and, and how Stewie's feeling and his family because, you know, it's uh, it's never easy being a football coach you in, or a head coach, really, because you, you invest so much time into the club and the players. And, um, you know, I, I know ultimately the goal for the Gold Coast Suns would be playing finals and, and setting a high standard on the footy field. But the improvement in in the club and the players from afar that I've seen, um, you know, it's clearly been a lot of it from his doing and, um, you know, the influence that it looks like he's had on guys like Noah Anderson, Matt Rowe, Took Miller, um, you know, there's Jared Witts. There's so many players that, you know, came out and, and sense how how much of an impact he had. So, yeah, it's a um, – I could only imagine it's a uh, it's a sad time for the Suns and, um, you know, wish Stewie all the best. He's, uh, you know, seems like a passionate um, guy, loves his footy. I, I believe he'll probably still – want to be involved. Um, he's got a great footy head. I've listened to him to, in so many interviews and seems like he's got such a great footy mind and um, so much knowledge in there when it comes to footy. So, um, yeah, wishing wishing him and his family all the very best with um, everything, um, you know, that he, he comes up with after this. Yeah, I'm sure he'll uh, – or someone out there will definitely pick him up and get him on as a – as an assistant or, you know, something in that manner because you just said it, he's, um, he's a ripping bloke and has got a – very good footy brain too. So all the best to him and we look forward to seeing him back in the coaching ranks soon. Do you reckon uh, that Dimmer's going to be the next coach of the Gold Coast Suns? Oh, well, the, it kind of looks like the uh, the stars are aligning and kind of looks like how it's going to be. I mean, if you were the Gold Coast Suns, why wouldn't you come after Dimmer, who's a three-time premiership coach and one of the great modern-day coaches and not just modern-day, but one of the great coaches of all time. So my money right now would be $1. ten for – for uh, Dimmer to come in and uh, Dimmer to come in and coach, but I, I did actually see that Steve King, Stephen King, is going to uh, take the the yeah. the reins for the rest of the year. And um, what a crazy um, story that would be if he was able to get them into the finals because they're only I think two games out of finals contention, and there's still seven games to go. So wouldn't that be crazy? Because I know you've obviously spent quite a bit of time with Kingy, and um, you know he's such a Jovial character. He's a great person. Um, I only spent one year with him, but I love my time with him. Um, I feel like he's going to be a, a, a great uh, interim coach for the time being and, you know, could lead to him potentially being a coach down the – or a head coach down the uh, down the track. Yeah, I think he's going to be great for him. I feel like he's a he's a people person and he'll bring the boys together. I'm not saying that, that Dewey didn't, but um, I think it's going to be nice to for obviously Kingy because, you know, he obviously left the Bulldogs with a – a better opportunity to go up to um to the Suns and now he gets a look in um after everything that's transpired. So wish him all the best too because I'm sure he'll be a little bit nervous and it's the first time other than maybe a preseason game. I reckon he coached us at the Dogs one time. So uh, he did a fantastic job with us mids in that 2021 year when we made the grand final and even in 16 he was a part of that, you know, midfield with Joel Corey uh, coaching line. So um yeah, he's going to be great for him, I think. 
it'd be uh, very impressive for him to get him through to the finals. I think that'd be pretty cool uh, one to have under the under the belt. That would be pretty crazy. What about with assistant coaches? Um, it's a nice little segue into you know some two or three assistant coaches that come to your mind who have had the biggest influence in you on you and. You know, just personal relationship with that. Who who are some that comes to mind for you? Personal uh, biggest influence, I would definitely say Joel Corey. He's probably my number one, uh, number one. Uh, yeah, in terms of influence, just because he's his ability to, or not ability, but just his. I don't know. He's smarts. He's game smarts. He, he just knew little things like little tricks and stuff that would help you get in a better position. And whether it was footwork or body work or I don't know, little things you do with your hands and. Um, the way you look at the stoppage, like standing back and actually assessing the whole thing, like things you just don't even think about. He was very good at identifying that and, and teaching it to us. So um, he's up there for, yeah, well, he probably is the number one line coach that I've, assistant coach that I've had. And relationship, I think uh, it's got to go down to probably Kingy or Gia because I haven't really had many outside of the Bulldogs. And now I've got to, I've got to mention Brucey. Cam Bruce now is probably um, – up there with one of my my favorites, just because he's a uh, he's a legend and he's pushing us uh, really hard this year. And you know we've got a great midfield group, so enjoying my time there with him and and the boys. But what what are your thoughts? You've had, you've had a few. Oh mate, I've had a, a quite a few. Mine mine's an easy one. Um, it's funny. I'll say assistant coach because he's not really remembered as assistant coach, and he's still working with Melbourne at the moment. But mine's easily Choco Williams. Um, yeah. Because you know he's a premiership coach and just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, so well done, Choco. No doubt he'd be listening to this. He loves his uh, footy, and I sent him a message the other day, actually, which is uh, very nice of him to get back. And the message he sent back to me, so thanks, Choco. But um, yeah, he he was you know my first assistant coach at AFL level. Um, we obviously had Kevin Sheedy was our head coach, and we had a couple others, but Choco Williams just his um, knowledge of the game first and foremost, but. His ability to teach, um, you know, the fundamentals of the game, but then just you talk about little intricacies that players can add into their game and you just mentioned obviously the coaches and Joel Corey, that was your one. He was definitely my one in, in early days. Um, you know, he's so pedantic about little things, you know, how you're kicking the ball, how you're using your hands. Um, and then obviously I spoke about the knowledge of the game. Just he was the one who instilled so many good habits in myself individually, but a lot of the players around him. Um, and he held us a really high standard that sometimes it could put players off him. But in hindsight, you know, I know, I definitely know this. Those players would know that he did it for the betterment of them individually. And that's the only reason why he did it. And there's no, no surprise to me why, you know, when he worked at Richmond, they had some great quality players come through. No doubt they'd be um, saying he's one of the biggest influence on on their lives, and also now Melbourne, there was no surprise to me as well that you know he was a part of that premiership that they had against us, and um, has worked closely with a lot of their players. So Choco is probably the most influential, um, per, uh, you know, personally someone who I can you know really relate to and loved was Lukey Power. He was another guy who was at the Giants with me. He, um, yeah, he's a Brisbane legend, um, your boys, but he was you know he was and is. You know, one of the most kindest guys that I've ever met in my life and very caring, empathetic, and um, yeah, could relate a lot to him. So they're probably the two that come to mind. But I've had a lot of great assistant coaches in my time. 
No, that's good. And uh, moving on now, let's. Was there anything else that caught your eye during the week? There was a couple mm. of cool things that happened over the weekend. Yep, Connor Rosie, Connor Rosie's dribble goal. Did you see that? I did see that. It was pretty special. Only, only a handful of players can do stuff like that. I genuinely believe that in the wet and quality, high, highly skilled people. And uh, Connor Rose is clearly one of those. Someone who I know would have hated this, Jason Dunstall. <laughs> yep, he would have hated it. He uh, he hates the dribble kick, but we're here to support it because it was funny. I actually saw a vision of Connor Rosie practicing these at training during the week where he was dribbling them through little poles. So maybe we need to uh, back him up a little bit and back all the dribblers out there that, um, yeah, that, that uh, big Jace Dunstall won't, uh, he probably won't like it. Yeah, well, I don't know because I don't know if back when Jason Dunstall played, one of the greatest forwards and players of all time, I don't know if they dribble kicked the ball back then and why that is why he doesn't like the dribble kick. But this day and age, the amount of times we practice dribble kicks would be the amount of times we practice drop punts, bananas, whatever you want to call them. So if there's ever a time for Jason Dunstall to get over dribble kicks, it's now because look at the goal that Connor Rosie kicked. Absolutely unbelievable, and I'm hoping that he sees this because we need to make sure it's in the game. It cannot be, it cannot not be in the game because it's such an art and such a craft. Well, what else is he supposed to do there if he doesn't dribble that <laughs> ball through? That's what that's my question. Oh, so well, if he, well, you're, I don't know, he's got to center it to the top of the goal square instead of kicking one of the goals of the year. The only thing I could, I understand with, with obviously um, Jason Dustwell is when. I think it's the ones where they're maybe running into open goal when they go the dribble kick and he misses it. Yeah, yeah, I understand I th- that. I understand. <laughs> yeah, so get it. But the ones from the boundary line, no, they have to be in the game because, as you said, what else is he meant to do? Nah, we love it. We love the dribble. So uh, it's here to stay for us from the Ads and Dunks podcast, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned, uh, obviously, move forward to this week. You guys, uh, big one this week. A really, really big game for you, obviously. Um, Friday night, a primetime yep. slot for you again, I believe, Friday night, which is exciting. Um, you, um, yeah, talk us through the game. What are your expectations? Obviously going to be a blockbuster. Yeah, it's going to be huge. The boys are really looking forward to it. We had a little look at the Ds today, and um, we've played them this year already. I think it was round, round two uh, before we played you boys in, in Melbourne, so... Uh, it was a significant win for us, that one. I feel like we had the game on our terms for most of the night and then the lights went out and then uh, we sort of gave them back momentum in that last little patch. So uh, we'll be looking to do what we did in that first three and a half quarters and um, big blockbuster game at the MCG on Friday night. So really disappointed I can't be there, mate, and I'm not running out and playing because you know they're the games that we want to be a part of as players and uh, those primetime slots, they are... Uh, they're very, very tough to get. So now the boys are looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a huge challenge for us. It's going to be, you know, one at the contest, as we always say. They're a very contested team, Melbourne, and like to get the ball moving forward. It's a little bit different in their midfield without Clayton Oliver and Petrarca now playing a little bit more forward. So, um, yeah, their intercept mark game's very important for them. They like to make the ground really big. So it's going to be a huge challenge for us. But I reckon we're up to it. I reckon we're ready to, to go down there and, and win a big game against you know, a big club and, um, you know, top four game uh, on the ladder at the moment. I think it's going to be one that, uh, yeah, that we can, um, you know, hopefully go down there and get done. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be an absolute ripper. Um, does 
Do you guys talk about it being at the MCG at all? Because there's obviously going to be noise externally, um, and I obviously know what your answer is going to be because you don't buy into that crap. But yeah, is yeah. there talk at all MCG? Nah, not MCG talk. It's more just what did we learn from last time, and you know, playing at the G against the Hawks. It was more around you know what did we learn from that game uh, because it is a different ground. We we played it pretty average that day. So what were the things that we identified then that are going to help us? This weekend, this Friday night against the D's, and that's all the really the discussions about. Not really about oh, we're going to the G. Like we haven't won there much over the last few years or whatever. It was more yeah. about just what did we learn from it last time, and what can we do this time to to make it better for us. Yeah, no, I, I uh, as I said, I feel like a little bit unfair sometimes the narrative around that, and, and it's not just the Brisbane Lions. A lot of interstate teams, and when they come to Melbourne, but yeah, hopefully it's going to be a ripping game for you guys. I um. You know, I believe it's going to be what you spoke about. Um, won a loss, a lot through the midfield, and um, it's going to be quite a uh, quite a different look for the Melbourne side that faced you guys in round three, uh, round two. I think you said with Clary not being there yeah. and Petrarca spending time four. But yeah, it's going to be a ripper, and uh, can't wait to watch it. Yeah, me too. And I'll be watching that game as well as your game on Thursday night, mate. So talk us through that one. It's a it's a big game. I remember we went to Sydney last year and mm. we played. Pretty average, so I'm sure that uh, Bevo will be winding you boys up, and uh, you'll be looking forward to that one. Yes, it's uh, you know it's it's always nice when a six day break between games, and you can move on pretty quickly. And um, whether you win or lose, we've had to move on pretty quickly and really focus in on Sydney. Um, there's clearly a lot to play for. They're they're still in a position to you know push for finals, and they haven't played. Well, not not that they haven't played how they've wanted to. They just haven't had the results that they've wanted. Um, you, you know, against Sydney teams, and you know, it's always spoken about. Um, you know, the amount of games that they're always in, they never give up, and you know, play such a good quality brand of footy, contested brand of footy. So uh, that's what we're fully expecting. Um, as you said, we didn't travel well last year to Sydney. It was probably our worst performance last year um, against a yeah. you know a really rampaging. Sydney Swans at the time and you know we're fully expecting that to be the case again this week um, hopefully we can implement how we want to play you know in the periods that we did against Collingwood and weeks gone by in this game for a longer period of time and give ourselves a really good chance um, to win and as I just touched on it's going to be a lot of it's going to be one around the ball um, you know we got to bring the contest side of the footy but Sydney also like to move the ball uh, through the corridor. I think they're the number one team that comes through the corridor and um, really like to get overlap and create hands. So, yeah, we have to bring our best. Defensively, we've got to bring our best. So, looking forward to it, mate. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, Friday's a blockbuster games, but Thursday's a nice little time slot as well. And, um, you know, heading up there tomorrow and really really looking forward to, um, you know, getting up there and trying to get their CG. And then, yeah, coming the game and hopefully win. Yeah, it's going to be a good one to watch. Another thing to watch last year when we went to the SCG, you uh, played down back. Is that going to be on the cards again or are you a midfielder now? Yeah, mate, key back. Key back. I'm locking in on Buddy. Me and Buddy one-on-one one out of the square. I'll try and keep him to 10 goals. That'd be nice. But um, no, I, uh, no I, I fully expect to be playing midfield this week, mate. So I, uh, <laughs> don't think, I don't think I'll be lining up on the back, so we don't have to worry about that. No, nah, it's good. It's, a, it's going to be another huge week of footy and you know the latter – it's still, I'm looking at it now, it's still very close between all teams and, you know, every game does count. So 
um, you know, all the way down to the Swans. Are, they're 15th, the Swans, and they're mm. still a legitimate chance to make finals. So, um, huge weekend of footy and all these results each week. It just changes the outlook. As you said, mate, the top, other than the top two, I, I, you know, doesn't look like Collingwood or Port Adelaide are going to drop out at all. Um, but the rest, you know, you speak about your game, it's so close. I think if Melbourne, if Melbourne win, they equal your points, don't they? No, nah, no, nah, we're two games clear of Melbourne. Two games, okay. So they go one game and then obviously if Melbourne don't win and teams below them win, which is us and I think Essendon, it's, yeah, it's incredible. I don't think I've seen a ladder from fourth to, as you said, 15th be so close in a long, long, long time. Like literally yeah, every team in that crazy. position can make finals, which is pretty crazy. So uh, it's exciting. Is there, uh, before we move on to our favorite segments, start bench cut, any uh, any other footy stuff? Nah, mate. Nah. All right. Can we get into this, This uh, as you said, our favorite segment? Let's do it. So Brianon underscore Smith has sent this in. So uh, thanks, Brianon. We appreciate um, appreciate you sending this through. This is a really hard one. This is a an extremely hard one because they're three different types of players, but three top probably 10, 15 players in the competition. And I'm going to get you to answer it first. So the start bench cut this week is Clayton Oliver from the Melbourne Footy Club, Jeremy Cameron from the Geelong Footy Club, and Nick Dacos from the Collingwood Footy Club. Who are you starting? Who are you benching? And who are you cutting? This is going to show, I reckon, a lot about how we think about the game and ha- what we respect in the game, I reckon, this question. Because okay. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go completely different. I reckon you'll be completely different to me. All right. So I'm okay. gonna go start. Starting, I'm gonna start Clayton Oliver. Can we go start for start? So you go start and I'll start mine. So yours is right. yours is Clayton Oliver. Okay. Yep. My start is Nick Dacos. My bench is Nick Dacos. My bench is Jeremy Cameron. And my cut is Jeremy Cameron. And my cut is Clayton Oliver. Okay. 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 So where are we starting this? Because I I understand where you're coming from. You're going to say, how's Nick Dacos going to get the ball? This and that. Because Clayton Oliver's having 20 contested possessions and 10 clearances a game. Well, maybe, maybe... About six days ago, I would have told you otherwise, but after the game on the Friday, mate, Nick Dacos can win clearance. I think he's had 10 clearances each week the last three weeks, more than capable of winning contested footy. He can beat you one-on-one and get out on the outside and then absolutely kill you with the ball. He uses the ball a little bit better than what Clayton Oliver does, probably quite a bit better than what Clayton Oliver does. Uh, And, yeah, that's uh, where my argument is. You're talking about contested ball. Contested ball is a little bit different to first possession. So you talk about first possession in a game. You know, you want to win first possession because that's you obviously getting access to the footy. Clayton Oliver does that. He gets a lot of first possession footy. And his ability over the last few years, especially, you know, he's turned himself into an All-Australian player and breaking the lines and kicking goals. I feel like he's one that, you know, if you get given out of these three players, if you get given them, you want to win the contest and you want to get the ball moving forward. Well, he's your access player. I've still got Nick Dacos on my team because he's on the bench. So I feel like those two in tandem would be pretty nice. And then Jeremy Cameron's just stiff because the other two are ahead of him. But 
yeah, I want you to tell me why you've cut Clayton Oliver and uh, bench Jeremy Cameron. Quickly, just with Nick Dacos, because I'm, I hate losing Number anything, whether it's debate. What, I am. Whether it's a debate <laughs> or whatever we're doing, you know I don't want to lose. And I think I'm right all the time. So Nick Dacos, so you, I agree with you. Clayton Oliver, first possession, yes. He gets it probably more than anyone in the competition. Lockie Neal would be up there. Bonty would be up there. I think if Nick Dacos wanted to win first possession, he would more than anyone else. He just doesn't have to because he's got Jordan Ngoi in there. He has Scott Pendlebury in there. Nick Dacos can't win first possession matter. as well as what Clayton Oliver can because he's not, he's as, not big as big and not as, not as strong. Okay. If you're going to say that then, who's a better first possession player between? You know, I mean, the only reason I'm saying this because they're about the same size. Lockie Neal and Clayton Oliver, if you're going to use size, because Clayton because Lockie Neal is probably the same size as Nick Dacos, but probably as good a first possession player as Clayton Oliver. So you can't use that as an example. No, Lockie's heavier than he what looks, Nick Dacos. He looks heavier. Nope. Looks heavier, but he's not as heavy no. as Nick Dacos. He's stronger. <laughs> he's stronger. You can't use that. You can't say because Nick Dacos is lighter and not as heavy, he's not as good a first possession player. His role in the team, right, is to not – he doesn't have to win first possession. But if he wanted to, he could do it as well as Clayton Oliver, in my, in my opinion. So that is the reason okay. why I have Nick Dacos ahead. And I think Dacos's ability to get in and out of traffic and then – be able to hit a target or put someone else in a better position is not only better than Clayton Oliver's, but he's the best in the competition. So that's why I've got him ahead of Clayton Oliver. And reason why I have Jeremy Cameron in there is because, what, is Nick Dacus going to hit it? Is he going to kick it to a leading Clayton Oliver? No, he's going to kick it to a leading <laughs> Jeremy Cameron who has as good of foot skills as Nick Dacos. Probably a little bit worse than Nick Dacos. So... There's my two. You tell me why you don't have Jeremy Cameron in it. Because Nick Dacos just breaks the arc and kicks the goals. So then why isn't he starting? He doesn't need a start. He just rests on the pine for five minutes and then he comes on the ground and gets going. That's why he doesn't need a start because you know when he comes on the ground, he wins first possession because he wants to, if he wanted to. Yeah, so I just compliment both of them. I'm just really curious to see what our fans think of this one because uh, we should have a nice little vote each week to see who wins the argument. No, I don't think there's a right or wrong here. It's going to clearly be I, – I genuinely believe – I honestly think people will send in Nick Dacos over all of them because – just because the, probably the amount yeah, of Collingwood fans, first and foremost, that we've got. But just because Dacos does – and I mean this in the most respectful way possible. He does all the really good-looking stuff, all the nice things mm. where, you know, he kicks nice – kicks it to his teammates where in Clayton Oliver's defense – he wins the contestable where he gets it out and just handballs it. So as much as I want to win the argument I'm arguing with you, there is a bit of a defense with Clayton Oliver in, in that aspect. And it's a hard start bench cut. But I, I think our fans will send in Nick Dacos. Yeah, I'll probably agree with you, but still, I just like being different to you and, and having this argument because I know that it stirs you up a little bit. Uh, well, it did. But uh, no, thank you, Brennan. We appreciate that uh, start bench cut. Can't wait to see what our listeners uh, come up with. Same here. Uh, moving on, the uh, the Oz American Aces apparel is officially online. Have you seen the pictures, mate? They look pretty good, the jumpers. I'm, I'm pretty happy with them. I am very happy considering uh, you and I didn't have much of a uh, say in it, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. But the reason why we don't is because we know that he's going to do a great job. So they do look good. 
They look great. But maybe we uh, we might be doing a – we're going to work on a custom ads and dunks collection in the near future. So he has organized that for us. But uh, he just wanted us to, to give him a shout-out or give us a shout-out in a way. Um, all the apparel is online for pre-order. And we've been told that the stock is very limited. So get in fast. Six hoodies and six T-shirts. So, um, yeah, can't wait to see a few people walking around the streets with the Aces, uh, you know, hoodies and T-shirts on. And it's funny because I was walking around at the airport the other day, mate, and, you know, this A sign, I got back to Brisbane and this little boy and his dad got in the, they got in the lift and I was with my brother and sister and we're just standing there and, the little boy looked at me and did not say a word. Anyway, the lift opened and he got out and then he turned around like real quick and he was just like, didn't even say <laughs> anything. And he just started doing this and I was like, hey. <laughs> so it was beautiful. It's nice to see um, the A sign getting thrown around, but the apparel is going to be even cooler. So make sure you um, head to the website, osmericanaces.com.au to get your hands on some and yeah, look forward to seeing it out on the streets as we mentioned. Yeah, maybe with the apparel we can maybe get our heads or whatever, but maybe just get a logo where there's just the finger like that and the and the A sticking <laughs> up. Maybe we could do something like that. But no, you're right. Make sure you jump on uh, the website at osmericanaces.com.au to um, obviously if you want to get in and get some apparel, although it's very limited as you've just said, um, jump on the website, have a look. A uh, little update on our massive giveaway that we've spoken about uh, for a long time now. Um, as uh, as our listeners know, we've wanted 1,000 five-star ratings. We're currently at 844, so we have 156 five-star ratings left. Make sure you jump on. Maybe you and I should chuck a uh, go on our burner account and chuck a uh, five-star rating <laughs> on and bump it up. I'll just sign up to 100 burner accounts and just pump it up. But um, no, let's uh, make sure we get it on, um, get those ratings going because we want, we want this giveaway. We want to give it away. We love... Uh, Giving stuff away to our fans, and um, this one's going to be massive, believe me. But um, but it's been good, mate. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we conclude? No, I think it's been a great podcast, mate. Another another week, good to get tips on after a grand final win, and talk about all things footy and uh, the American sports. Slow down a little bit, but there is a lot of NBA stuff going on behind the scenes. So look forward to talking about that uh, over the coming weeks. I agree, mate. And as I said, I'm going to sneak in an NFL fantasy. Uh, segment here or there because uh it's getting close but as you said mate been a great episode thanks everyone for listening again to another episode of the ads and dunks podcast always brought to you by those american aces thanks again everyone for all the support we love it um you know keep sending the message of support and we absolutely love getting it in and we love uh doing this weekly so thank you once again and can't wait to uh see you all next week on the ads and dunks podcast and well done joshy you too mate good stuff